Welcome to the Leadership of Fools. We are about to up anchor and set sail into the heady ocean of business dilemmas and discussions. Nothing's going to stop us. Today's topic, how are Australian organisations different to the USA and the rest of the world? Our conversation covers tall poppy syndrome, insights from Survivor, the TV show, and horse racing, learning to market, promote yourself, where flexibility is an advantage, and the power of relationships. This episode's guests, Kate Temby and Kieran Fitzpatrick. Kate is a recent contestant on Australian Survivor and a global leader in finance. Kieran leads global hospitality and large-scale events. We are about to up anchor and head out into the exotic ocean full of business dilemmas. I will be foolhardy to be on this ship by myself. Joining me as always, keeping us afloat, it's my first mate, Colin Beattie. Thanks very much, Captain Rick. Hey, um, I do like just that little just that little hint of respect that's in your voice. It's not in your eyes, Colin, <laughs> I, but on a podcast, that doesn't matter. That's right. It's in your voice and that's all that counts. I can fake it with voice. As a leader, Colin, what have you never been able to master? Um, it's a good question. I reckon, um, I reckon I'm great with clients and not always great managing other consultants. Right. So, um, so I suspect the answer to that is I'm really patient with my clients. Mm -hmm. You've always been patient with me and And I'm not even a client. That's right. But I, but often not so patient with people who I might be, uh, directly reporting to, to me, uh, through to me. And in fact, I have quite high expectations of them. So um, I think a good trick for you, what I've learnt just in this podcast is maybe if you called everyone captain, there'd just be a, just a nice little <laughs> sense of civility between the, in your relationship. Fantastic. If, so if you find that you're struggling relationship-wise, just throw a few captains in there and see how you go. I predict, I, I. I predict wild results. <laughs> wild. Uh, but we have some excellent crew aboard the ship today. Uh, over here we've got Kate Temby. Great to be back. Oh, so good to have you on board. Uh, Kate Temby, as many of you may know, was... Uh, A fierce competitor on Australian Survivor. I do have a Survivor-related question here for you, Kate. (laughs) Fabulous. What leadership lesson did you learn during Survivor, the TV show? I learned two things about myself. A Um, double whammy. Yeah, double whammy. One, that I don't hold judgement, and I think as a leader that's quite a good way to come at uh, problems with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Unless you're I've, a judge, in which yes, case you do need yes. a certain level of judgment <laughs> yes. as part of your leadership skills. Yes. So I think having that open-mindedness um, and really not feeling very comfortable to come to a judgment quickly, I think that actually bodes well in leadership. Yes. Probably the ability to mirror your team is hard. Uh, I think, you know, it was clear on Survivor that I didn't eat junk food. Um, <laughs> bought you but I probably needed to think about the audience and start with the menu of McDonald's, of which something I'm not very familiar just with. Just fake it till you make it. Yeah. Okay, can you just tell, tell a little bit more about that for the audience? <laughs> so when you were voted out, yes. the insight and reaction from some of the other contestants yes. was, we're glad she's gone because... She doesn't eat junk food. Right. <laughs> and as you can only imagine, if you are on an island without any food, food is a 
high. Everyone's thinking about it. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's wishing. Everyone's yeah. dreaming. Everyone. And I really yeah. was pretty. You were happy with the rice. I wasn't dreaming about that uh, Hungry like, Jack's menu. I predominantly eat rice anyway. This is just. <laughs> if anything, I'm eating more than usual. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so that's a tricky thing with Survivor, I think. Uh, you don't know which little uh, nuggets are going to bring you unstuck because you would think that's a fairly harmless bit of information <laughs> to reveal about yeah. yourself that's yeah. not going to get you in much trouble. And in the end, ho oh! And I think when you think about being a leader, it is about, about how much you reveal yep. and how much you do want to mirror your team yep. uh, so they feel connected to you. I mean, that's really the takeaway that yep. it <laughs> – excuse the pun – uh, it, but I think <laughs> to be able to listen and observe that, I don't think you have to morph into your team. Mm, yes. You should be aspirational in a way, but there are certain areas which you do need to connect. Yep. So I think what we've gotten down to is leaders should eat junk food. I think that was our rock-solid <laughs> knowledge bomb that we've dropped there. The takeaway, takeaway. And our final crewmate climbing down from the crow's nest, please welcome Kieran Fitzpatrick. Delighted to be aboard, Rick. Thanks very much for having me. I'm going to fire just a quick question at you right now. Please do. If you had to write a leadership book, what would the topic be? Oh, gee. The Kieran um, Fitzpatrick story. What would my topic be in a leadership book? Um, <laughs> oh, I like I like the sense of followership. I'm not sure I'd be appropriately equipped to write it, but I'd love to think that I could be able to write a book on followership. Um that said, to step back for a second, I would definitely vote Kate off for uh, not eating a cheeseburger. So I'm not sure whether that would create followership with Kate. Um, but, yeah, I probably uh, – I mean, certainly a topic that I, I think galvanises, uh, you know, leaders. And for me, if you can sort of nail that space, well, then you're, you're three-quarters of the way there. And, Kieran, this is totally – Somewhat unrelated, but mm. I learnt something about you today, discovered something, that you were a, um, a race caller on, oh. on course Climbed in a past the, life. The hefty heights of, uh, of Cairns, Cannon Park Racing, Colin. <laughs> so is that horses? Horse racing. Just yep. to be sure. Could have been greyhounds. Uh, you know what? I did call the dogs one night. <laughs> Hello. Mm, just once. <laughs> Found the dogs a lot harder because they were all over in 29 seconds. Right. At least oh. you could build a bit of momentum with the horses, which I liked a lot. Fantastic. Yeah. And the key to that is accuracy, I understand. You know what? I think the key to that is it's it's actually communication, right. isn't it? It's, a, it's about communicating a clear story, not about you, about telling the listeners, uh, many of whom are not on course, what's happening. Um, there's an accuracy component at the end and only at the end that counts. doesn't right. really matter uh, through, the, through the journey how accurate you are. Um, but, uh, but building momentum. Oh, uh, yeah. Building a story. You're building a story. Using your voice yeah. as, a, as a tool for narrative yeah. sort of, uh, what's that? I'm thinking of a word, uh, crescendo, because, that's oh, yeah. it. But in yep. fact the crescendo is the momentum. Yeah, that, is, that is what we're talking about. And interestingly on that, I, I think if you predetermine anything in that space, which is what I really enjoyed about it, you'd invariably go, go mm. astray. Um, oh, right. It was you, you had to sort of be in the moment okay. with it um, mm. and if you were in the moment, they were your best results. Uh, And and a lot of uh, race calling. And I think they're the epitome of of broadcasting because they have to tell a a short story as it unfolds, be accurate at the end, no room for apology, um, get it right in 90 seconds or or be smashed on social media. Football, you you call the wrong guy, kicked a goal, no one really cares because it's still a goal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, enjoyed the challenge. Rick? Who oh. knew that we could learn so much? Enjoyed I the challenge. I suspected, but I didn't dare hope. Like you know, I didn't dare speak my mind that I could <laughs> learn so much so quickly. <laughs> uh, let us 
dive headfirst into some dilemmas. Uh, just one. You have, uh, you've both worked, two crewmates here, you've both worked in uh, America and with Americans. How are we in Australia? How are we different? And what might this mean for Australian-based enterprises? We're going to tackle that, uh, that global, the global topics now. Oh, I think, look, there's multiple for me. Firstly, you know, my, my wife is from America. I lived over there for five or six years. Um, you know, my, I, I've been... So your wife is American? She's American, yep. yeah. Uh, you know, our kids are there for uh, dual citizens now, which is interesting in itself. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, the organisation from which I work is from uh, Buffalo in, in New York. Um, you know, uh, privately held company, 100 years. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's certainly some, um, some key insights through both those journeys uh, for me. And Kate? I worked with Goldman Sachs for 17 years, so clearly that's a fairly large New Mm York-based investment bank, and that culture is really an American culture at heart. And I lived in New York for five years and had both of my children there. Uh, They were both born in New York, so they also dual citizens? They do, they do. So so we have quite a connection, so both on a personal level but professional level. Yes, and I've been to Hawaii. (laughs) So all three of you are perfectly placed (laughs) to discuss this topic. Uh, I've seen a lot of American... American films and television. Fantastic. Uh, and a reasonable amount of music uh, of American nature I have listened to. So I am also pretty qualified. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what I'm curious about, though, is, um, you know, we, we live in a global world in terms of business, and yet you think about the relationship between Australia and America, and you think we would be, you know, really close. There would be little difference, let alone when we start to think about the rest of the world. And yet, Almost the more I learn, the more difference I actually see. Kieran, do you want to kick off with what what's fundamentally different? Oh yeah, look, there's um, you know, other than speaking the language, the same language, I think there there's a world of difference there. I think by by nature, um, you know, Australians are, are, are very worldly. Uh, they they travel at a young age. They get out and see uh, different different spaces. Uh, the I suppose the, the the size of the population here is such that you. You have to be pretty good in your space to succeed. Whereas, um, you know, over there, I think you can be uh, certainly in my, in my field, which is the hospitality field. I think you can do okay if you're mediocre. Um, the whole system's set up to, uh, you know, the cost structures are set up to to support that in terms of uh, the tipping culture, etc. You know, outside of that, uh, you know, clear differences in, in uh, you know, their political, um, uh, you know, championing. Uh, they really get behind their, their politicians or really have a voice on it. Uh, for us, I, I, I would equate that to how we view sport. Um, we may not know, um, you know, who the Premier is, uh, but we certainly know who won the 1989 Grand Final. Um, it's a so, Premier of a different kind. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, outside of that, they, they really respect... Uh, I, I think they're fantastic people, by the way. There's a real respect there for hierarchy. Um, that uh, where whereas here I think you might get the, uh, the the challenging of the status quo on a lot more levels. Um, so they'll respect the the title first, um, and therefore there's a fair degree of followership that comes with that. Right. Uh, From the title that's alone. earned by title yeah. Um, yeah. versus um, earned by mm. um, you know actions. Kate, um, I'm watching you, and you're mm. you're nodding a lot. So mm. what, what are those stories really resonate? 
Yeah, I th- absolutely. I think there is a respect for hierarchy. And I think it's interesting when you look at the Trump sensation, mm. whether that hierarchy has overcome common sense. You know, you can take it that way. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to think that what part of the American generation is pushing Trump you know, if you really dissected it yeah. and how that will flow through over time. Yeah. But I would even say that the millennials at Goldman's, uh, they still respected the levels. Yeah. But I think that comes with the depth of the market mm. because yeah. the, there are so many peers mm. at your level in a lot of organisations. Yeah. Where in Australia, often you might be the only person at your level yeah. in a global organisation. Yeah. So you, you really feel like you can jump and navigate faster. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then the clearly... The other difference is the communication. The ability to market yourself Mm, is on the forefront of everything you do within a US environment. Um, Compared to Australia, I think people need to learn that skill. Mm. Uh, And I think that's something that can rub off really well, not that you need to market yourself all the time, but clearly talking about your contribution is important. Yeah. And we can so see. So does that kick in at, in the school oh. system? Well, I, a great data point. We've obviously got a lot of friends who have got children yes. at the same age. They've grown up with our kids who are now thirteen and mm. fourteen, and we uh, there recently. And there was a boy who was ten, and he was doing a YouTube video of the afternoon mm. commentary on their basketball um, shooting of rings in his bedroom. Right. The commentary was probably equivalent to your racing commentary. <laughs> Pretty ordinary. <laughs> well, I haven't heard you, but... Um, there was a real was, crescendo. It, it was professional. Yeah, yeah. There were no ifs and buts, no shies of this is a great commentary. And yes. I remember my kids thinking, wow, that, and that clarity. And it is partially in the school, Yes. but it's with the way that they speak. Yes, it's just, would you agree? I totally agree with that. I, I think um, one of the things that really struck me, and I didn't expect it when I went to live, uh, went over there to live, was um, was the respectful communication, you know, from right through the place. Um, now, there's in in certain areas, there's vested interest in that. Uh, the waitress will be very kind to you because you she wants a, a higher tip. Um, but uh, you know, I thought they were extremely well mannered, uh, extremely polite. Um, you know, really engaging conversation and, and certainly, uh, whereas the tall poppy syndrome would be sort of alive and well here, um, you know, over there, I mean, all, all power to you uh, the higher up you go uh, and that would certainly be, you know, celebrated. Um, Does that make it... Um, the one big question that will always play out through this discussion is, you know, the so what question. Yeah. But... How much easier does it make that to become, say, a first-time team leader or manager in the US with the amount of respect and credibility you get in an instant Mm. versus here, which I think it almost, you know, potentially we're still kicking into that tall poppy syndrome, prove it to me or what makes, who made you boss uh, sort of questions. Anyway, I'm just kind of curious, like, does it make leadership or management easier? Uh, yes and no. I think in the first instance, yes. The other thing that adds into that is they're, is they're so structured and so routine. Right. So um, you know, one of the one of the conversations I used to love to have over there with Starbucks executives was, how come Starbucks can't succeed in Australia? We don't get it. It's the best coffee in the world. Uh, <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, th- that was my response to <laughs> the best milkshake <laughs> in the world. <laughs> um, you know, so that they are abs- they absolutely convinced themselves of that. 
Uh, and then they have no problem uh, marketing it, and they are fantastic marketers, as yes. we know, uh, you know, to the world, uh, and away they go. So when it actually fails, particularly something that for a period of time has been so bulletproof in a market, they don't get it at yes. all. So there, there's a fundamental difference inherent in that. Um, so I used to say, well, hold on, you've got third-generation Italians that, that legitimately know your name when you walk in. Uh, a, they're paying two fifty for their, their coffee. B, it's better made. C, they know you. Um, uh, you know, so there's an authenticity that comes with it uh, in, a, in a really competitive space. So you have to be brilliant. Um, you know, uh, yeah, so there was that, that those type of, of things. Okay. And I think the challenge, uh, they do back themselves, but they can't find it very hard to process when it doesn't work yeah. outside of their environment. Yeah. Um, and you can see that by trying to grow in Asia, trying to grow in Australia, trying to grow everywhere. Yeah. Now, they and you see it, investment banks are the classic. They mm. invest, 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 buy local people, and then they're like, well, it's not working again. And there's a cycle of that over and over. And so I think while they're very ingrained in their thinking, it, that closed-mindedness yeah. is really challenged as they try and take, Americans try and take businesses global. Whereas we start more with that open-mindedness yeah. and therefore for us to be able to, move into other markets like the US, we potentially are more flexible. Right. So it might be easier for us to grow into those markets than the other way around. I I do. That would be my observation. I I would totally agree with that because... uh, And there's some great Australian brand names... Starting to dominate over there, and, and some lesser names, yeah. um, you know, that are performing really well. Like, a, you know, we, we were talking about a Toby's Estate Coffee, for example, yeah. that right. is sort of launching, and and they're seen as really niche and boutique over yeah. there. Um, you know, the of course the uh, the the clean Australian branding, the point of difference for people that get a week off a year, uh, and a lot of Americans only get a week off a year. So you know, the, you talk to a lot of Americans, and they'll say, oh, "I'd love to go Australia. I've always wanted to go to Australia." But the reality is, it takes a week to fly there. Yeah, <laughs> the, it's just never you know they they're lucky to go into the next state so those those things those experiences in the uh, in those environments sort of become their you know gateway into another world they just go to outback steakhouse and, <laughs> and then say they've been to australia it's close enough yeah. close enough tick that one off so um what don't they get about dealing with australians doing business with australians so we've started with and we are generalising here, I think, <laughs> yeah. we need to qualify. Uh, we're making some very generalised statements. Well, but what think, don't they get about us? I think the way to preface it is what challenges mm. Americans when they come in because yes. there have, have been a lot of successful. I mean, yes. you know, we developed a really good and I would say the support of a lot of Americans into a very successful business into Australia. Yes. But what challenged them was expanding their thinking yes. to becoming flexible and those yeah. that succeed are the ones that really go to the core. Technically, they are so strong because they've been so institutionalised in whatever area, whatever industry. So if they come with that technical skill and an open-mindedness, we had great success with that. But you don't come with your technical skill wrapped in a product which was successful in their local market implementation. It's finding that balance between that um, confidence and that sense of infallibility you need to infuse that with the flexibility uh, to to adapt. Whereas sometimes, I guess that's not that's not being uh, utilised as part of their mm-hmm. practices. So they'd be immediately uh, bumping up against a, a totally different wage structure mm-hmm. here. Um, the, the tipping culture is fascinating. 
on many levels from a user experience and a you know and just what we pay mm. and the average Australian wage earner versus what they would pay like you know I think they must be shaking their heads at some level with those sort of challenges. Let, let alone the cost of living difference. The cost of living, yeah, so, yeah. so it all sort of plays into itself. I mean, you know, you go over to different parts of the US and, um, you know, people have bought their house for $100,000 two years ago um, and it's probably, you know, a nicer property than mine yes. um, or yours that, you know, you, you spend sort of ten times that to get a block of land sort of thing. So they can't, they can't wrap their head around that for a start. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, yeah, that that whole that whole tipping culture, I, I loved it, um, <laughs> and, and I fought it initially because I was a little bit narrow-minded myself. I thought, no, that that makes it really difficult, uh, you know, to manage systems and processes and payroll and all that sort of stuff when there's a, when there's this um, this free market going on, <laughs> you know, let alone loss prevention, right? Um, but mm. but what I what I soon realised was that um, you know the cream just kept rising. Um, you know, mm. they because they were fantastic at it, yes. they, they could generate more, but, but the value for the customer was such that they were happy to pay more because the service was better. Yes. So it's, it's, it's actually lessening the control mm. um, and, and allowing the interaction to flourish. Mm. And I think when you, they, I they do that, that fantastically <laughs> well. And yeah. therefore, what you actually get is, is a whole lot better margin. And the, to, to link back to the previous question, when you, when you pick up some of that margin and put it mm. into innovation and whatever else, you can perfect processes that mm. then have a better chance mm. to succeed globally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think something else to consider is the level of annual leave mm. that yeah. they have yeah. and yeah. the perception of hard work. Yeah. Mm. And so we have a perception of work is that you have four weeks and if you probably you actually probably have six if yeah. you really yeah. have yeah. a great job and, and don't you pat everyone on the back who has the six. Mm. <laughs> so whereas at Goldman Sachs, uh, culturally but just generally, yeah. it's two and then well, you don't take that much. Is that and how that is perceived and what is hard work? And I think return for work yeah. in Australia, we're smart workers. Yeah. I do believe we are smart workers, uh, whereas I've seen a, you know, that experience of number of hours at a desk yeah. and I just contra that with tipping culture. Yeah. It's quite an interesting perception. And so I think if you're working with people out of the US and other cultures, it's this flexibility. Now, when we move and think of what the millennials apparently telling us globally, I think that bodes quite well for our culture. Right. Because mm -hmm. it comes back to trust. Yes. Yeah. Ability to self-motivate. Yes. And actually get things done. Uh, yep. rather than the instruction for people around you in that, as I think you pointed out, Karen, in that very structured environment yep. uh, where you always had a boss who was watching you and you always then had four peers that were compared against you and we yep. just haven't grown up in that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about Australia's work ethic to progress well into the next 50 years. Yep. Yeah, I think, uh, and thematically through this podcast, um, every so often, in fact, after every episode... I am somewhere between the <laughs> – I'm either optimistic or I'm quite pessimistic about <laughs> um, and particularly about where Australian uh, – the economics is, the business is. So that's a really good story, uh, coupled with that we do philosophically think about customization, like because we're so used to it. We, um, we struggle to be put into the box of, you know, maybe the Starbucks box yep. and work through that system. So yep, yep. – and we know the world is – you know, especially the uh, the rich side of the world, um, the where the money is, that customization is being looked looked for all the time. And hence, why we need 
um, investment in innovation right. because you can customise your mind yeah. but if you're not customising into the industries yes. and the technologies that are going to actually be sellable, yes. then there lies in our problem. Yep. Um, so customising into renewable energies, customising into these big streams of yep. delivering large service providers or whatever it is or whether it's medical technologies, it should bode well if we have both. Yep. But if we only have our mind, we, we're not going to survive into that what is a positive story. Kieran, uh, what do your children most relate to? I know they're quite young. Mm. Do they feel connection with both worlds? Do they, they, they feel... S- they certainly connect to Halloween. <laughs> right. Uh, Halloween. They, they yep. love the lollies at Halloween. They, they think that must represent all things good. Um, <laughs> that is becoming more of an Australian thing now as yeah. well. We're <laughs> slowly starting to embrace it generationally. I, I, I predict when our kids are adults, uh, it'll just be a thing. Yeah. Month-long celebration. Yeah. Just, just a normal length. I mean, let's not go crazy. Yeah. We don't want a <laughs> festival of candy. But, uh. my, my oldest son, um, look, you know, they, they love they what they understand. Yes. Uh, they understand the, uh, you know, the, the, there's it's a, the learning that there's different countries and whatnot. They understand that mummy's from one and daddy's from another um, and that and the both are great for different reasons. Right. Um, so I think that that's, it's important to us that we, um, you know, instil the, uh, the tradition whether it's Halloween, Thanksgiving, etc. Yes. Um, whilst we live here, um, and educate them on both sides, um, and for the most part, I think they're, uh, you know, they're sort of embracing that, uh, you know, at a very young age, as you point out. And I would say, our kids are absolutely fascinated by the confidence. Mm. Right. The confidence that comes through in intelligence. Right. Or. Uh, motivation or pride or what? Can can they see through that? Because that's I think. But beneath that, there's skill. So right. they for yeah. if um, variety, whether it's riding a horse or whether it's singing in a band or whether it's playing an instrument or whether it's academic, yeah. you and we've got a sample of our friendship group. So yes. you know we've got uh, you know two handfuls. But I would say there they can see that there's something beneath it because they right. they skill they put time to their task. Yeah. Okay. You, they've trained at a young age, and we do too. But they then show it. Yeah. They are skilled, and they show it, and that comes through at young age, and then I think it also comes through, as we're saying, in, in an older generation. And our kids see that. Yeah, makes sense. I know we're just taking a, a small sample of two nations, but they are two nations that speak the same language, but the differences are really fundamental. And then we scale it out and mm. say, what does that mean to deal in uh, business with, in Asia, in Europe, mm. uh, in the Middle East? Mm. Um, what do we learn mm. and what can we actually translate or offer to people around this? Kate? Well, having nearly touched every continent, I think, through both client interaction but also uh, reporting to people or having teams across all of those different cultures, yeah. I think it is fascinating. I think one thing that it really comes home is build relationships with the people. Humans actually have connections and yeah. that actually doesn't differ. You need to find those connections away from the cultural noise that we might be talking about, if it's Asians because we think they don't walk into the boss's office, Mm. whether it's Americans that will be at your door. So those cultural norms are not going to help. 
Like they're not going to... No, move away from the cultural norms to building personal relationships. Jump on LinkedIn and just make those connections. (laughs) (laughs) Once you make a connection on a personal level, then you can actually start to navigate some of those other challenges that may come in your way. And a great example was when I took on Leadership of Asia, um, dealing with people, I had teams reporting to me in Malaysia, the, the difference of they thought I was foreign. They just looked at me and thought, who is this person? Yes. And, they, and it wasn't until I invited them into my office and we started speaking at a personal level, yes. then I was able to put them some instructions in that we needed to actually change the team and the motivation and how they think about that. Without that relationship? I couldn't have done it. Yes. I couldn't have done it because you would have been this person from a different culture that they don't identify with and they would have been, to me, this other culture that I don't identify with. So regardless of who it is, I've just joined a firm in London. The the Brits are great. You know, the glass sort of is half full. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but they're fantastic in many other ways. So um, I just think that it just, again, it brings home that personal connection is Hmm. what I think is the core. Makes sense. Kieran? Yeah, I'd I'd absolutely echo that. uh, You know, my two cents there would be that, you know, it's very much an outside-in approach. Uh, You know, if you try to go into an environment, whether it's Americans to here, us to America, us to somewhere else or or the reverse... um, and you, you try to influence with what you know and, and change from within, you, you, you just got no hope. Um, so, uh, yeah, sort of accepting um, an environment for what it is and then saying, what well, right, how do I personally add value to this environment? And that's that whole flexible component. Um, you know, there's a, it's a skill all its own. Uh, and I, I, Kate's right. I, I don't think that's unique to America and Australia, or um, you know, Australia and Asia. It's interesting the organisation that I'm in now. Um, you know, we we deal with Asia out of Australia um, because there's an acceptance that the cultural divide between America and Asia is too wide. Wow. There, there may well be a greater skill set uh, of uh, subject matter experts yes. in America to deal with what we're trying to do in Asia. Yes. But but they, I, mm. I think there's a wisdom mm. in understanding that that gap um, is greater. That uh, wisdom wouldn't have been there a little while ago, would it? I'm not sure it's there with a lot of American companies now. Right. Um, I, I think that may be a unique thing to, you know, with a private company that is very worldly. Yes. Um, you know, uh, that might be um, something that is, you know, somewhat unique. Um, but, you know, versus arguably uh, what could be perceived as the arrogance of, of other companies that say, right, we'll just, this has worked here, we're number one in the world, we'll implement mm. it everywhere else. Um, and that's where, you know, obviously run up against it. So that's that open-mindedness it again, is, isn't it? Yeah, very yeah. much so. And I'm wondering whether the simplicity in this is it almost doesn't matter whether it's another uh, country or whether it's another organisation. Mm. Uh I think we, you hear the 90-day plan or the 120-day plan. 120-day plan should always be a listening tour. Mm, yeah, so it's sure. that sense of, you know, I might have some ideas and anticipate where, where things might land, mm. but for the next 90 days, all I'm going to do is listen, yeah. observe, notice. Yeah. Um, and it really doesn't matter whether it's in another country or, as I said, in another organisation or even another division within your organisation. Mm. I think that makes different, makes sense. And Kate's piece about the relationship, <laughs> let's cut to the chase without that. 
Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter. You can't, what can't ship you're on. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't matter what ship. <laughs> Without relationships, you will sink. Yeah. Um, I was just going to add to that. I, I think if you, uh, if you, if I think about leadership at any level, I think it's you know it, it, certainly if it's a leadership of others, uh, I suppose inherently that's what it has to be. Um, the it's it is all about connections and yeah. building a desire within people to to, to follow that lead, um, and that is an absolute. A skill all its own. I think people that master that, um, you know, climb to the highest levels of, of leadership. Yep. Do you find um, on the on the global um, front? Do you do you guys ever amplify your Australianness or decrease your Australianness depending on what the situation is? Hmm. Do you ever walk into a room and go, "I better I better be more Aussie than normal"? <laughs> Uh, no, I, and, and I, I, I cringe a little bit when people do. Yeah. Uh, particularly living in the US, when you'd you know you'd, you'd have people that visitors that might come over for have vested interests in the in the bar uh, scene and um, you know and, and try to ramp that up. Um, you know when they're there for a ten day period or whatever, um, it's a little bit cringeworthy, I think. Yeah. I don't think we're great at that. I read an article, um, you know, in uh, I think Croatia where we were sort of slammed for that during the week, um, but. So, so for me personally, no, uh, but, but I'd certainly never be ashamed of it either. I lived in New Zealand for a while too, um, so it was, there, was, there were times when the All Blacks were playing the Wallabies where you might want to, uh, <laughs> you know, just wear a neutral uh, sort of Guernsey, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, the Australian deep down in me wouldn't let that happen either. <laughs> I think you bring the uniqueness of who Australians are mm-hmm. and that is one of our, I think, positive energy and approachability. Mm. So I would share that as much as you would in Australia as when you're offshore. But yep. I think that, and I think that actually uh, attracts people, yep. you know, the curiosity in that because it's a little bit different from other cultures. But I don't know if you really amp it up. Yeah. I Although guess I did have a story when I worked in Canada and I'd announced to a head of a bank that I was leaving and he said, why are you doing that? His <laughs> time's up. He said, but you're unique. And I said, how so? He said, you're a woman and you speak with an Australian accent. (laughs) You're ticking a lot of boxes right now. There's only four of you. (laughs) Am I smart, I said. (laughs) He didn't answer that. So I left. Yeah, it wasn't high on his criteria. (laughs) But, you know, sounding different is an interesting piece in itself. That was his point, being a woman. Makes it easier for people to do impersonations of you behind your back, <laughs> which is always great for company morale. <laughs> <laughs> last last thoughts from anyone before we uh, head back to port? Um, no, I, I think I, I love the topic because obviously, you know, I mean, I'm embedded in it for life. Um, you know, I mean, just as just a thought out loud when I when I think back to American, I'm off, off there on Friday, but. Uh, um, without any point to making these comments, I mean, it is interesting also that you know they're they're when they're when they're onto something, they love to stick mm. to it. I mean, pennies still exist; they're still you know uh, talking in miles. They they they'll Paper hold money. Their, yeah, they'll hold their line, um, which is uh, which is unique um, as we move forward. So it'll be it'll be a fascinating place uh, space to watch in terms of their um, their interaction with the rest of the world. And I'd make the only other comment is there is something to be learned from every culture. Yep. Just look hard. And I think, yep. you know, that American culture that's so aspirational, yep. so clear in its vision and so passionate, that's, that should be observed from us. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
And uh, oh, what I discovered was that my extensive study of American films and TVs did not help me one bit in this discussion. I was really hoping we'd be talking about geeks versus jocks and whether or not I could feasibly make the starting uh, lineup uh, in the high school football team. Uh, I've got quarterback written all over me. No one noticed. That's fine. Um, so I feel like I've wasted large parts of my youth and, um, and, and adulthood watching shows that didn't help me in this discussion. Well, Lisa oh. got a few actors. My, my wife would criticise Australia, saying, oh, here we go, another Australian film, but the same five actors being <laughs> recycled right. through. <laughs> Asher Keddie, Brian Brown, oh, there he is again. Yeah, <laughs> bobbing up. Yeah. A couple of those guys on the uh, on the Home Fathers show, whatever that's called. Yeah, I do feel like they've streamlined <laughs> the audition process to a very fine art. It's just um, we make five phone calls <laughs> and the show is cast. Gary Sweep. It's too easy. <laughs> He's one of them. Um, ex, thank you so much for joining me on the Leadership of Fools here today. You've all been delightful and you've kept us afloat with startling efficiency. (laughs) Go about your business. We've retitled today's episode Relationships Outlast Cultural Noise. Our three mentoring hits. Number one, go on a listening tour. Build relationships first before making any decision of consequence. Number two, Flexibility, customization, and working smarter is our advantage in a force-fit world. Number three, every culture provides a life-changing opportunity to learn. Thanks for listening. Leadership of Fools is a Somersault production. Somersault works with organisations through transformation and growth. Please subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or wherever you do your listening. And don't forget to visit leadershipoffools.com.